Welcome to another exciting episode of the Voices of Black Folk podcast. I'm your host, Will Anyu. Often when we think about fitness or better yet, just getting in shape, there's so many different options out there. Whether it's HIIT training, intermediate fasting, or just even a regular workout plan. And this can be so cumbersome, which brings me to our conversation today. I have with me Trio Fitness, three brothers that I had the pleasure of meeting on the beautiful campus of the University of Pennsylvania back in 2017. Unlike their peers who decided to take jobs in corporate America as investment bankers or consultants, they decided to create something not only for themselves, but for the community. So sit back, tune in, and listen, because this is the Voices of the Black Folk podcast. Hello, and welcome to another amazing episode of Voices of Black Folks. Today, we have uh, three phenomenal individuals who not only happen to be brothers, but also happen to be triplets doing some really amazing things. And so we're going to learn a little bit about, you know, their journey, you know, where they're from and, you know, the amazing things that they're doing within their community. So without any further ado, I want to introduce my guest, Trio Fitness, and I would love for you all to introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about who you are. Yeah, so uh, my name is Malik. What's up? My name is Amai. What's going on, gang? My name is Khalil. And of course, we are Trio Fitness. That's that's the three brothers right here. <laughs> yes. Fantastic. No, yeah, I, I was going to do more, but you got it. <laughs> no, no, please go go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, just real quick. Um, So we are identical triplet brothers. Um, and so we started, we essentially started our own business. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to Penn undergrad and graduated in 2018. And right out of undergrad, we kind of just jumped right into our business, which is uh, health and wellness. Mm. Um, kind of more specifically with a focus on just really enjoying the process, really kind of being the best version of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's kind of where we stand out. We can kind of discuss that later in the interview. But um, we kind of just decided to pursue this right out of college. We said there's no time like the present. And we know that we this is about really what we want to do. As opposed to trying to figure out, you know, this, that, and the third, whatever. We just said, we know this is the way to go. And so we've been hitting that hard for the last couple of years. Um, things have been going well. And uh, we're loving the process. So we're happy to be here, happy to be talking about our story and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah. Fantastic. And I definitely want to jump into that a little bit later on in the um in our conversation but so i actually have a funny story to tell y'all so i remember so i first got to penn in 20 um 20 the summer of 2016 and you know when i got there you know i started making myself familiar with um you know all the uh different administrators and you know i work with different student groups so i work a lot with uh brian stevenson and the black male initiative and i remember we had um it was a meeting and i and i think malik i met you and then yeah. the very next day, and like, you know, we chopped it up. And the very yeah. next day, I think I ran into Khalil or Amon. I was like, yo, what's up? And you kind of looked at me like, yo, what's, what's, what's good? And then literally like a couple hours later, I ran into Ahmad. Yeah, I ran into Khalil and then I ran into Ahmad. And I was like, yo, what's up? And he was like, yo. And so like, you know, me again, coming moving up here from North Carolina, not really knowing anybody, I'm like, Man, that's how they act up here in Philly? I mean, <laughs> I, I guess. Had no clue that you guys were triplets, right? Yeah. And so um, literally had a pair trap moment where, um, you know, I was chopping up with uh, Brian one day. And I'm like, yo, like, what's up with my man? It's like, you know, at the meet, we, was, we, we were chopping it up. It was cool. And he was like, which one? I'm like, what do you mean? He was like, there are three of them. I'm like, wait, what? He was like, yeah, they're identical triplets. I was like, wait, hold on. <laughs> yeah. So... 
super, super funny, but like, I, I really remember that story. But one thing I will say that I remember about you three, you, you three are like probably uh, three of the most genuine people I've ever met in my life. And I, I, and I really mean that wholeheartedly because like y'all are just the way, like just the approach that y'all have to life. Like I really truly admire that. And that like leads me into my first, my first question. Right. And so, uh, like you said, you three attended the university of Pennsylvania. I would love to hear about, you know, um, what that journey was like for you, but um, like most students that attend schools like Penn, right? And so we're talking about like the elite, the most competitive, the top of the top, they're graduating and they're going off to investment banking or consulting or these like different high paying um, pos uh, positions. So I definitely want to start with, you know, your journey to Penn, but also what made you decide to, you know, instead of uh, following the, um, the path that most students follow, decide to start your own business? Yeah, so um, I'll start off with like, you know, Penn and kind of how we got there and everything. Mm -hmm. um, so coming up, we were always big on school and like being um, academically strong and things like that, but we were also big on athletics. So it's pretty much, you know, both of those and that was it. Uh, we would do probably like starting eighth grade is when sports really started to get um, more serious uh, just because that's kind of like, you know, you got to try out for teams and everything. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's kind of what we're kind of experimenting with, like basketball, soccer, track and field, lacrosse, tennis. And then um, getting into high school, started to focus on track and field, which ended up being our main sport um, for all three of us in, in high school. And basically it was, you know, lunchtime and free periods. We had a library, all three of us, not together necessarily, but we were, at, whenever we had free time, it was spent the library doing homework, studying for tests. Um, and depending on the class we were taking, which ended up being, you know, AP history or AP uh, calculus you and stuff AP like that. History? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, we didn't, we didn't take AP history. Right? I was about to say, you know, we took um, AP. We, we took a couple, well, regardless, we took a couple APs. The point is, we took a couple APs. And, uh, and, and, and when it's, you know, it requires that you like study, right? And, and, and make sure the grades are good. Um, so we were always studying. And if we weren't studying, we were going to practice because school was over or whatever. Um, a lot of times there was, you know, you had the common area in high school, but mm -hmm. that's something that we really didn't spend a whole lot of time in just because we were always either at practice or doing homework. Mm -hmm. And so that, that ended up paying off, of course, because when we started applying to schools, you know, we had great GPAs, um, our extracurriculars were good, and like the, our actual application ended up being very well, very, uh, well rounded. Mm -hmm. uh, personally, my uh, standardized test scores are not that great. But um, no, all three of us were not that great. All three of us were not that great. <laughs> but, I mean, I would say like relative to relative to like the pool that you know Penn usually draws mm -hmm. from. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, which is kind of why that's kind of why I was saying that we didn't take AP U.S. history or like AP, we didn't take majority of APs, right? We took no mm -hmm. AP though. I took no yeah. AP. I took I took two APs. I yeah. took two APs. But uh, what's funny is that I think you know a lot of the times you'll get um, students coming into these elite schools that have taken massive amounts of AP classes, right? Mm -hmm. And what I wanted to really kind of like highlight is that. Like he was saying, I think the, 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 the primary reason we're able to sort of like, you know, kind of take that step into um, that sort of higher degree of learning um, was being well-rounded students versus mm -hmm. just kind of being like, you know, super book smart, right? Because mm -hmm. if they, they could draw, they can get people that, took, that got 2,400 SAT scores, you know, and like took 80 APs or whatever every single time. And every single person in the class could be that, you know, but I think, you know, what I want to highlight is that 
uh, I think that kind of also plays into the rest of our journey that we weren't those guys, you know, we mm. were kind of like a, we want to kind of do our own thing. We want to kind of follow what we like to do. Um, and that led us to Penn and not mm. kind of being like, all right, yeah, it's like all about academics, which it was a lot in high school, but it's not the only thing. Right. Mm. So I wanted to tie that. Um, but yeah, continue. You got it. Yeah. So then we, um, we all applied to, uh, I think it was nine schools total. Nine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we all applied to the same schools and we were considering going to different schools, mm-hmm. but um, ultimately decided like, hey, if we can go to the same school, if it works out like that, then let's do it. It's not gonna be a deal breaker, but if we can, if we all get in the same space and we, and we, like, we like the school, whatever, mm-hmm. we'll go together. And so it came down to uh, Columbia and the University of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a pretty good choice. You know, that's a pretty good choice to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Not bad at all. Yeah, you got two Ivy League schools in um, New York and Philly. Like that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. we definitely got some um, some hate mm-hmm. uh, before the applications. It was like, oh, you guys are all gonna all gonna try to go to the same school, an Ivy League school. You all want to go to Harvard. You all gonna Penn or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we're like, I mean, yeah, like we are gonna try. Like, like what, like, what else we like, got? Why not? And at that point, it was like we kind of had. It was kind of like a do or die kind of thing in the sense. Mm-hmm. That we don't have enough money to pay for three college tuitions, so we're going to need a school that can bankroll us all the way mm-hmm. to the end, right? Mm-hmm. So, and, and a lot of times, that's going to be either you got your state school in tuition or in-state tuition, or mm-hmm. you've got one of the larger schools with a lot of financial aid, like, you know, some of the Ivy Leagues or some of the um, the, the, the liberal arts schools in the North, yeah. things like that. Mm-hmm. And so it was between Penn and Columbia. Um, so we chose uh, Penn, but it was kind of like an individual decision for everybody mm. because it was more of like a, like we didn't, we, we didn't come together and be like, oh, let's all go to Penn. It was more of a, okay, well, we've, we've been to Penn, we've been to Columbia and everyone kind of took their own time and tried to figure out, okay, this mm-hmm. is where I want to be at. And everyone chose Penn, but it wasn't a deal breaker because someone very well could have chosen Columbia, right? Yeah. Um, but like I was saying beforehand, people were kind of like skeptical and after we did it, it was all, oh, you only got into the Ivy League schools because you're black and because you're mm. And I'm over here like, oh, you can't, you can't have it both ways now. Like, you didn't think we was going to do it in the beginning, and then we did it, and now mm-hmm. it's because, because of affirmative action and all this stuff. Like, oh, we, had, we had the well-rounded application. Mm-hmm. And I, I know my application, my essays was fire. <laughs> I, I got to say, they were good. Um, but we had a well-rounded, you know, we were all three of us are well-rounded applicants, mm-hmm. and um, and so uh, Penn was. But the overall experience of Penn was, um, it was good. Of course, you know, like any kind of PWI, it's gonna be there's definitely gonna be you know it's issues, it's faults, and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but the spaces that were created with black students mm-hmm. for black students and just the general the multicultural aspect of Penn mm-hmm. is actually pretty strong in my opinion mm. um, especially with with regard to greek life and none of us pledged or anything but it's still the presence was still there and i think it made my experience better mm-hmm. um maku was strong uh and then you had the various um uh houses like uh la casa latina mm-hmm. and they have the pan-asian house but, like they just had various resources for different um, minority, minority groups that I thought were very, were very powerful. Um, and all three of us ended up dancing mm-hmm. in a Latin dance troupe, which, which also really changed our experience a lot. But we were able to find a lot of the, um, the culture mm-hmm. and the, the um, students of color. A mm-hmm. lot of that community was very accessible to us because of the things that we were doing. 
Mm. Um, and then Penn also gave us the resources to, or put us in a position to be able to pursue mm-hmm. entrepreneurship afterwards, mm-hmm. even though, I mean, it was, it was, it's interesting because I, I think it both gave us the tools to do so, but also gave us very much the option not to, mm-hmm. and a lot of pull towards that not know, to. travel path in terms of yeah. going into finance, consulting, because you can kind of go into those fields from most of the different schools, whether it's Wharton, whether it's the college, because mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends that went from the college into finance or consulting, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was definitely a strong pull in that direction, but I think Malik kind of talks about that best when it comes to avoiding the, um, the uh, not avoiding, but steering away from the corporate life, especially after trying it for-, for Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll keep it pretty brief, just to, um, just to say kind of what he means is that, um, so I, w- I was Wharton undergrad, I actually started in the college, but I transferred because I honestly just didn't like the theory that I was learning. Like it was like a lot, I wanted to study kind of business stuff and econ was the closest thing to that, but it was just too much theory. Mm-hmm. So I said, let me try and transfer, which made my pen experience a complete grind. Like I, mm. a lot of people will maybe sail through, I don't think really anybody should be sailing through unless you're really, really smart. But I personally had like a really, it was a tough time for me. Um, not, you know, not socially or anything, but just like the academics are hard. Like, you know, yeah. I, I was grinding. So when I transferred to Wharton, um, you know, I was studying some stuff I really did want to study, but I also was getting sucked into the pre-professional part of it where now everybody's trying to get internships and finance companies and consulting, mm-hmm. whatever. And so I tried it. I was like, you know what? I'm in like one of the top business schools in the world. Let me at least just use that Why not? and just try and yeah. see what corporate life is like. So I did it, you know, I did a, a few different corporate internships in real estate, which is what I ended up concentrating in. But um, honestly, it just wasn't, it wasn't for me. Like the, the corporate conversations I was having in the office and mm-hmm. the work, it wasn't fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized like I was really more tired after a day at the desk in the office than mm-hmm. I ever was like, you know, from 8.30 to 6.30 whatever, than I ever was from early morning, training client and then you know, do this, that, and the third, do a boot camp, whatever, like a physical job that is mm-hmm. fitness. I was more energized after a day in fitness than I was with corporate America. And so then the question became like, all right, cool. Like I might still get mine. Like I'm still secure my bag and like get the money and everything. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, a lot of people also get trapped in fitness and they can't go above a certain like, you know, income or lifestyle because it can be tough to move up in that industry. Um, if you're trying to stay within someone else's gym. Got but you. For me, it was like there's a way for me to make more money, um, and kind of live the same lifestyle while still mm-hmm. doing stuff I love, while still inspiring, while still motivating. Definitely, um, definitely. Corporate path was good for me to understand that yo, this ain't it. But I know what it feels like to live at this level. Got you. Things like that to the fitness stuff with the business that we have, live at that level and still be fulfilled and still inspire and still motivate you know other people. Got you. And so before we um, actually uh, tear into like, you know, um, you all gra- uh, graduating from Penn, starting your business, I want to know a little bit about, you know, what the experience was like, right? And like you mentioned, like, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, like Penn is a place where the the majority of those students come from very wealthy backgrounds. They come from backgrounds where, you know, parents can bankroll uh, full tuition, not bad at eye. And I'm sure that wasn't uh, you all's experience. So as students coming into that ecosystem, like walk me through what that was like for y'all. Uh, yeah, I would say um, 
that, you know, we got there and I think what was really good is that we found some folks that were kind of like of the same, uh, I don't want to say like social status because that's socioeconomic maybe status, mm -hmm. um, kind of economic background, financial background. Uh, I mean, you know, we're by no means like, you know, we're, I wouldn't say like we're the best off, but like we, like our family, like it's not like we were, we weren't struggling like that, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, which was nice because you know we we were afforded the opportunity to go to really um, a really good uh, high school um, opportunities to kind of like study in different places, um, have different opportunities like that. But I think coming into Penn um, with a group uh, of friends that kind of understood where we came from, where it was like, guys, we can't spend every single weekend. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, we can't we can't go out every weekend. And I mm -hmm. think it was kind of prevalent um, with a lot of the folks that stayed uh, on meal plans or mm -hmm. stayed um uh kind of uh on campus as well uh, mm -hmm. i know sometimes I, it may have been cheaper to move off but i know at least personally um having stuff on campus within our financial aid was cheaper right mm -hmm. so it's like you know a lot a lot of students were kind of going off campus like oh yeah we're gonna go ahead go out to dinner here go to parties downtown go on these trips to do that on the weekends and i'm just like yeah i'm gonna stay on campus <laughs> we're mm -hmm. gonna stay in the crib this weekend but you know Y'all have fun. Like, we'll see you guys next time. Um, so I think, you know, just kind of understanding like that a lot of people, you know, came to class like dressed like this or rocking jewelry like that. And I just was never really used to those things. Um, mm. And seeing that, it was almost like there was a there was a different tier of, of, of financial uh, independence there. Right. Okay. And I was like, I really like I, I didn't know what it was, but I knew it was there. I knew I wanted to kind of like get to that level. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but I did appreciate, though, was that I'm not saying other students didn't have this, but I think we had a very firm understanding of um, how much money like we wanted to make because of how much we knew we didn't have, mm -hmm. right? So, and it's not like, again, it's not like we wasn't like, we didn't have nothing. <laughs> like that's not where we came from. Um, but I do think it is important to understand that we, did under, we didn't have every single opportunity that we always wanted to have mm -hmm. because financially we couldn't always afford that, mm -hmm. right? So I think it was really helped that um, we were around a group of people that understood uh, where we came from Mm -hmm. but also wanted better, right? Kind of wanted more. So, yeah, actually, I just want to add, yeah. add something to that. Like, it's also, I think he's really saying it's more like an exposure thing mm -hmm. where we saw students that had, like, I mean, like, wealth, you know? And it's like, you don't, if you haven't seen that before, then it's like, oh, wow, like, I didn't even realize, you know, kids or whatever live this way. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, it's not, it wasn't like a, like a shock and awe thing. And it wasn't like, wow, like, I wish I was like them or whatever. It was more like, yo, this is good to kind of see this exposure because mm -hmm. it does show you like a different level. Like you can't kind of see that level then you don't really know it exists. Um, so seeing the level that some of these students lived at, it was like, oh, wow. Like, you know, we can kind of see where their families came from and like what they went on to do and all that. Um, but it kind of, it just shows you something different, you know? I think mm -hmm. one other piece of that as well is uh, your comfort around uh, money, right? Mm -hmm. I think coming up, you know, it's again, it's not that we didn't like, we weren't like, we didn't have money, but me personally, I know that uh, when I was younger, I definitely had a conception that I didn't have enough money, right? And mm -hmm. I wasn't really sure like where I was gonna get that money from all the time. Mm -hmm. But I know a lot of the folks that I went to school with, like didn't have that concern. And what I think is interesting is that when you start to think about money differently, and I really kind of saw how they thought about money, but right? it's like, oh no, we'll, we'll spend it. No, we'll do it. <laughs> you know, it's like, we'll just, we got that, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I think understanding that and kind of having a higher comfort level with spending money, but also mm -hmm. like investing money, right? Mm -hmm. You know, investing in your year, put a dollar down, get two dollars out of it. Um, I think that's something that I started to understand 
uh, with the comfort of spending more money and seeing other people spend money, not necessarily on investing, but like sometimes it was like more lavish, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but um, just being more comfortable spending my money in general because I knew I could make it back myself. So gotcha. definitely getting comfortable with money. I got, I kind of disagree with both of you guys. <laughs> okay. Like I, I think um, like coming into Penn, well, in the sense that like you talk about exposure, I personally was, I, I, you said you weren't really shocked. I was personally kind of shocked. Like, <laughs> mm, talk I, about that. I was very surprised. I was like, these people have so much money and it's ridiculous. That's, that's fact. Like I was, I was, <laughs> yeah. I, I was very, very surprised. Cause we, I mean, like there were so in high school, for example, there would be like, it could be like maybe the teams are buying, you know, uniforms, but it's not like school uniforms. It's like we're buying extra stuff, mm-hmm. like things like that. That's we true. we yeah, would yeah. consider like, oh, you know what? Probably probably can't get that. We probably don't have enough money. There's no way mom can give us money for that. Or we, we like we probably can't get that, and that was okay. That was fine, whatever. Because there would be like extra stuff in high school. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. it'd be nice if we could hop on that, but we can't because we don't have the money for it, whatever. Um, but then in in college it was like almost an exponential increase in like the gap that I re- like the wealth gap that I realized actually existed. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it was like it had a negative impact, but I just realized, wow, some people have really been living like this their entire lives mm-hmm. and really don't know any difference. Like, I mean, you have classmates that have never seen an iron or folded clothes before. <laughs> that's, 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 that's my roommate. No, no seriously. Yeah, that's seriously, that's classmates that's that don't know what wrinkles are that have never done their own laundry before. Cla- yeah, it's just crazy. Huh? <laughs> really, exactly, and that's. Listen, and that's, I went to an HBC, so we we we, we ain't had those problems. Everybody right. knew what iron was. So that's that's the type of like shock that I was like. That's very it's true. It's crazy that very it's true. such mm. a different environment, um, and and of course it was like a majority. It's majority going to be white. The white students that have that extra access to wealth and everything. Like you have students at Penn with families that are literally billionaires, billionaires, mm. millionaires. And it's like the, the it's their lifestyle is so normal to them mm-hmm. that it's almost yeah shocking to me coming from like a place where, you know, that's like having, having, um, you know, a, a trust fund coming up is not something that I'm used to, but mm-hmm. I've literally had conversations of, yeah, my dad owns this or my dad does this <laughs> or people literally, Parents literally giving their kids companies, whole companies, <laughs> mm. birthdays, things like that. And like, they've really just showed that's me. That's true. That's shocking. You know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like, that's kind of shocking, right? Yeah. And kind of just showed me like such a different level. Uh, and, and honestly, like it kind of just shows like the, the, the wealth gap between. Mm-hmm. Now, it's interesting that Penn brings together those students, right? That's a good thing that, that, that you can, mm-hmm. can still participate in the Penn environment without obviously having this much money. Um, but in terms of like being comfortable around it, I personally, there were times I was definitely not comfortable around it. Like <laughs> it would be, there would be downtown events like, oh, we're going to go to Noto or whatever, or, you know, um, there's an event, this frat is doing this, or there's tickets to this special event. And the tickets would be like $100 or like $75 to $100. I'm like, I can't spend $75 to $100 on a week. No, on a week on a Thursday, on a week on a Thursday <laughs> college, and then I'll and I and you know I have like a well I didn't have it for the entire time but you know I'm looking for a work study job or I have a work study job mm-hmm. doing uh, behavioral labs yeah or like, <laughs> we're doing warden behavioral labs because you know you it's like thirty dollars two dollars yeah. right there and you so you get your weekend money and I'm like well I made thirty dollars from this lab and this ticket is a hundred there's no way yeah. I'm 
That, mm-hmm. that doesn't, you know, that doesn't cross That's over. That's at least three hours of work. But a lot of, the, <laughs> a lot of the people we were hanging out with, you know, our friends had work study jobs or, mm-hmm. were, and actually actively looked for them like, oh yeah, I'm trying to get this job, do this, that, and the other. And then you have the other group of people that has never considered getting a work study job or doesn't want one or doesn't need one. Cause all you gotta do is, and honestly, it's just, it's, it's this simple. Oh, mom, I need an extra, you know, thousand dollars for this weekend or whatever. Like, it's the stories you hear. I mean, I mean, you. Oh yeah, we heard right, stories exactly about, right. about. So that's about, so that that's interesting. So I remember, um, I want to say it was a couple years back, and I was having a conversation with one of my colleagues from um, Warren back when I used to work at Penn, and she told me something. And like, if I didn't actually see, like, and I'm the type of person that if you tell me something that I feel like is ridiculous, I'm 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 gonna go and look it up. You need the receipts, right? Yeah, yeah I, I need my receipts, right? So she was like, well. This kid graduated from Wharton, and as a graduation gift, I'm not talking about like a Wharton MBA, like undergrad, right? <laughs> and again, like, that's no small fee. But he graduated from undergrad, and as a graduation gift, his his dad gave him 25 percent of his company. Wow. I was like, I'm like, oh, okay. He was like, no, well, you don't understand what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah. He was like, she was like, do you understand how much that 25 percent is worth? And I'm like, all right, well, it's pencil. So it's a wealthy suit. So a couple of million. She was like, that 25% is worth 3.5 billion. I'm like, wait, oh, what? Whoa. <laughs> I'm like, at that point, I'm just, I just looked at myself like, what in the hell am I doing wrong in life? Yeah, for real. But, and I think to me, like, that was the first time that I really understood what the wealth gap at an institution like that looked like. Yeah. Right? Because, like, you hear about the Ivies, you hear about these... Uh, students that come from these ridiculous places but you never like until like it really hits you it's like wait what and then um so my younger cousin she's actually a junior at Penn now and she uh her freshman she was like yo I'm in class with Emily Huntsman I'm like wait what (laughs) like yeah the the person who the Warren School of Business is named after his granddaughter and just to like, and again, like I went to a small HBCU in North Carolina where, you know, like everybody knew what food stamps was. Right. Everybody knew what, you know, clean, like simple things that, you know, you and I might think are normal, right. but to hear the stories that you all have shared and to hear the stories that I heard throughout my time there and still continued, it like, it's, it's truly mind blowing to me. Right. And so, like, as a doctoral student, I do, like, my research is on first-generation low-income students in uh, within elite spaces. And then just reading the, some of this research, I'm just like, yo, we don't have a chance in hell to catch it's up. Wild. It's yeah. wild. It's, it's absolutely phenomenal. But, you know, I, I want to move on a little bit. All right, so fast forward, you know, you guys make it through Penn, you graduate, and you decide to start uh, trio fitness or or tell me what you know that um, transition was like leaving college and then like starting your own business yeah um, I would say it was a leap you know mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I remember when it was the summer before our uh, senior year mm-hmm. Amad and I uh, decided to um, so this is the time that Malik went to an internship in New York his mm-hmm. corporate thing I was a corporate guy at that point <laughs> Yeah, and I decided to do um, essentially a self-directed uh, internship, or you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's entrepreneurship. That's yeah, what it entrepreneurship, is. Yeah. Entrepreneurship. Yeah, we started doing trio fitness full time over the summer, mm-hmm. um, and so it was that uh, over that summer, I talked to my dad, and I was like, uh, he's like, yeah, what do you think you're gonna do after after senior year? 
And I was like, I'll probably get like a marketing job and then do trio <laughs> fitness. <laughs> and then do trio fitness on the side, right? Until mm -hmm. like, you know, like, you know, plan, plan B, uh, well, uh, plan, fund your plan A. That right? was your plan, wasn't it? Good you know? job. I was, was <laughs> in a marketing job, right? And be like, yeah, until trio fitness is making me enough money. And he was like, well, is fitness what you want to do? And I was like, yeah, he said it like marketing is like secondary, right? It's like, yeah. And he said, well, why don't you just spend all your time doing trio fitness? And I was like, you know, I just wanted to be like safer. <laughs> right? and, and, and so dad was like, well, I don't really see a reason to um, split up your energies, right? You may as well, if you want to do trio fitness, put your full attention on that. Worst thing that happens is you come back and you move and you move back home and like, that's the worst thing that happens. And mm -hmm. then like, you, you can always get another job. Right, but like doing mm -hmm. trio fitness first, kind of see how far you guys can take it. Um, you can always move back home if you need to. If it doesn't work, whatever happens, like you know, that's the absolute mm -hmm. worst thing that can happen. You mm -hmm. guys are always welcome back at home. And I was like, oh word! And I had never really gotten that. Like I mean, you know, our dad had always supported us like with everything, and he actually mm -hmm. was the person that encouraged us to be entrepreneurs. But I'd never really kind of felt that sense of uh, security in terms of like, if I don't get this right, all I'm doing is going home, and like yeah. that's it. Mm -hmm. Right. So that was the point at which I decided I'm going to do true fitness full time. I might have decided the same thing. And then when Malik realized Corp wasn't for him, he decided the same thing as well. <laughs> but uh, my decision kind of came from it was it was actually less of a I, I kind of decided Kahlua decided first. And then mm -hmm. that summer, I was actually supposed to have a corporate internship with Macy's in New York. Mm -hmm. But I was studying abroad. And they said, you have to come back if you want to start the internship with everybody else. And I was like, can I start late? And they said, no. And I said, all right, I'm not coming back. So I'm not doing the internship. Because I was, I was abroad in Brazil, and there's, there's just no way I was ever going to get another chance like, to be abroad. So I was like, you know yeah. what? I'm going to just stay here. And when I get back, I'll do True Fitness. Mm -hmm. And it turned out pretty good. <laughs> and then um, Malik, you ran corporate for, for a summer. Yeah. And then I mean, kind of the same thing he talked about earlier. Like, yeah. mm -hmm wasn't feeling it um so we dove into trio fitness and worked at uh all senior year yeah so we worked at uh penn's gym at pie truck all mm -hmm. senior year as personal trainers kind of really getting into training clients full-time mm -hmm. um and not full-time with classes and everything but we were training you know a few clients at least a few clients per week whenever mm -hmm. we could in the day whenever yeah. we didn't have classes yeah and then we were also teaching the group exercise classes at at the gym which really helped us gain a lot of experience teaching group classes because now mm -hmm. that's one of our main sources of income when it comes to us doing events and stuff and mm -hmm. we were doing the uh, the trio fitness classes um yeah uh, every, every single weekend so it wasn't just like for penn it was also for trio fitness yeah gotcha. um, and then from there you know that whole year you know senior year happened we was working the entire time and then the summer rolls around graduation happens and we were like all right we're going to give ourselves what we said until the end of the year, like three months. We like said that. until um, November, September? September. Yeah. So from May to September, we was like, all right, you know, we're going to grind from May to September and mm -hmm. we're going to try and make something happen. We wasn't sure what it was going to be yet. We was like, mm -hmm. we going to pop between May and September. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. We right? said, we're going to make it. Whatever that means, we're going to make it. And so we got a sublet in Philly and just worked from May until September. Mm -hmm. um, long story short, we didn't pop in September. <laughs> all right. So we actually ended up having to move into a different house uh, because our sublet um, ended because students were about to come back for the, uh, for the next, mm -hmm. next semester. So mm -hmm. we had been subletting from a, from a student that was, um, I think, a rising junior or senior. So we had to move out of that house and into a different house. At that point, we didn't even have a lease, right? So we actually all split up and went to live with different people until we found 
um, <laughs> until we found yeah. our own house. Right? I guess we were technically homeless. Yeah, but it was our. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't that far. Away. <laughs> but it was our. It was our first. It was our first lease, right? We never signed a lease. In the most before. technical terms, we did not have a place. To- <laughs> Yeah. Right. We, were, we were essentially between leases. And we were couch sure. surfing. That's what we're yeah. called. Yeah. We, were we, couch we were couch surfing. We were couch surfing. <laughs> <laughs> so, and so we was couch surfing. And, um, you know, uh, once we got our, we, we were working on our first lease. We never even had a, like, you know, lease a, lease a place before because mm-hmm. we were on campus. So working mm-hmm. on our first lease, we get that lease. And then I was, I think it was actually before, a little bit before we got that first lease around, I think in September or November. We got a DM from uh, this guy um, uh, was that owned a gym in, in Philly, right? Mm-hmm. So that was actually, he was the first guy to offer us. He was like, yo, you guys are looking awesome. We love your brand. Um, do you guys want to have an, like an interview and audition to see if you guys want to come work for, for my gym, right? Mm-hmm. And we were like, yeah, definitely. And that was our first, we were like, you know what? We got an opportunity now. This is what we've been waiting for. Let's jump into it. And that was the first time that we joined. Um, and it ended up, it ended up uh, going through um, in December. So we joined mm. them like officially in December of 2018. Of 2018, yeah. Okay. So we finally got in a stable job, a stable. <laughs> you know, fitness is never really stable. Um, and that was kind of the first time uh, that we were like, all right, we have something we can like legitimately and very concretely do after school. But mm. that was our first. That was our first step into the luxury upscale boutique fitness industry. That's okay. We could have joined, you know, you could join a 24 hour fitness or a planet fitness and be a personal trainer. And I guess, you know, we've still been doing stuff at Penn too. We've still yeah. been doing stuff at Penn. Yeah. So we, we were, but we were now stable on Penn and this new gym, which is now mm. our first step into the luxury boutique scene. And from there, that really helped us expand. Yeah. But the reason we got that first offer is because we were building up our trio fitness brand, mm-hmm. like showing Four up years. on social media a lot. Yeah. Um, and really just making it clear that we were trying to be, you know, uh, some of the top fitness professionals in Philadelphia. But it was for four years before that, since freshman mm. year of college until senior year. We'd had our social media. Building up Instagram, building up Facebook, doing events for four years. And then the guy was like, yeah, I see your brand. We like that it's already established. We like this brand a lot. You guys are really cool. Come through work for the gym. But it was because of all that before, you know? Yeah. So I mean, that's kind of how we jumped into, I would say, uh, doing true fitness full time. And so I think that's that, that's pretty dope, too, because I think often when people, and it's this ideology, right? Like people are overnight successes. And when you actually go through and look at the stories, not too many people are overnight successes. Like it's it, it takes... It, it, it takes time, right? And so I guess talk talk a little bit about, you know, like those times where like you might have been a little bit skeptical, like, and even though like this is something that you all really enjoy, it's like, yo, this this ain't really paying the bills. And, you know, we we are cr- crowd surfing. I might need to go back to that, uh, that corporate gig or that marketing gig. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can really easily speak to that just because I know what the bread is like in corporate. <laughs> like I was... And I was in New York. I was eating uh, like steak dinners, and I was going out every weekend. Like I, I got a table with the homies. Like you was love, section, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. like I was like spending money, <laughs> like, you know. And then just, I mean, you know, the transition was just, I mean, it's night and day. Like when you go from working in corporate to working for your, or trying to do your own thing, mm-hmm. and, you know, you're cutting, you cutting corners here and there in terms of not, not on the product or the service you're giving out itself, but maybe you know you. You sign a lease and 
you know, we had there was rat, there was like a rat or two in the first house. Yeah. Like we, mm. we found a couple roaches, rats, rats, roaches, rats. Like <laughs> wasn't it? Again, it, 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 it it's it's uncomfortable. Of course. Leaking the, the the roof was falling yeah, I mean, down. The, the ceiling fell through. It a was couple nuts. Places. Like, it was not was, it. <laughs> this was this wasn't like the house you trying to live in. <laughs> but mm. uh, you know, it's it's stuff like that where it's like, all right, those are the moments that tell you we need to push because we don't want to live in this joint for much longer. Like we want to mm. upgrade. So like leaving the house we live in now. This is an upgrade from the last house we was in, and this is a massive end- upgrade. <laughs> yeah, it's a massive upgrade, and this isn't where we want to stay or anything like you know. It still has mm-hmm. its issues, um, but at the end of the day, we're grateful for the for the progress. And then you know the moments where we're just like ah, like this is hard. It's like the late nights. Like I've had so we started to do like um online sales and stuff. So we sell mm-hmm. we, essentially we sell online programs and stuff. So mm-hmm. that's like one of our lines of income that we're kind of working on. And I remember. You know, we didn't. We actually just started working with a brand strategist more recently because we developed. We got enough money to be able to pay somebody to do that for us, and then to help mm-hmm. us build out these different uh, sales methods and income streams or whatever. But before that, it was all DIY. So, you know, buying a book that can tell you how to do it, and then you have to try and do it yourself. Mm-hmm. The way I fumbled through online sales and like, I mean, really spent hours. I'm talking like, like probably ten hours straight from like nine uh, at night until like five in the morning, trying to get something up online, like straight through the night. Um, you know, Mod there with me, he's up, Khalil taking a nap here and there, he'll get back up. But I'm then, not. you know, like, <laughs> we're, you know, we're taking shifts or whatever, but I mean, my eyes are red looking at the screen. Like it's, it's moments like that where you're really like, I don't know, man, <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. know if I can do this. But it's, you know, you got, the, you got the thing is you got the team. And so then the team always holds you down and then you guys just building everything. but. I think the one thing is that um, we're always down to make mistakes. We're always down to stay humble and learn. Mm-hmm. We don't really make the same mistake twice. Like we've kind of done some different things. We're like, yo, this could have been better. Um, but we take pride in like the work that we do. And so then when we do make a mistake or like, you know, uh, a potential partnership falls through. Okay, why did they fall through? Or like this program didn't pop off like we thought it would. Like why didn't it pop off? And then how can we get better? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the things that we're learning now is just like, how can we also work more efficiently and just more more intelligently to where we can do a little bit more work without putting so much energy into it? Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it comes from like, do you have the money to pay somebody to do it? Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I mean, there's been like a lot of moments, honestly, where it's just, this is hard. Like this is hard. I mean, biking in the in the cold, that is hard. <laughs> like we get up in the morning. Winter time for a fitness professional is terrible. I mean, you mm-hmm. walking outside, like, um, you're getting up early, or whether you got to train clients in the morning, teach class in the morning, it's an exhausting job. But again, mm-hmm. you know, depending on who you are, if you can build your brand up to the point where people now know you by name, they know you by face, they know you, and they will pay for the value that you give them, then you start to pull yourself out of that kind of like mm-hmm. really tough part and start to move into like, okay, this is a little bit easier now because I can get more money while putting in the same amount of time. Mm-hmm. And then you start to kind of automate systems and stuff, but you know, really, it's just you got to kind of understand. I mean, it's an industry that that you can either do really well in if you're kind of smart about it, or if you, you know, if you if you just work hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, it's it's kind of a grind all the time, <laughs> but but it's and, fun. We enjoy it, you know. And to that point, you know, I I have to ask this question because you know, definitely our viewers would love to know this. Um, you know, in November, December, early January, we hear about this thing called, uh, the COVID, uh, virus or the, uh, it wasn't even a pandemic at that point. 
And you know, Trump is like, you know, this this about to be gone by Easter. Yeah. And then come March, like it really, it it really that's where the rubber meets the road, right? Like things start shutting down. And it's especially for you all where your business is so core to like interacting with people um on a almost like on a physical level. So talk 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 through what that was like for y'all and like how have y'all been um dealing with the pandemic like up to this point? Uh, there were times I remember, I know he did at least once, he probably did it, and I definitely did. Um, at least one time during between, it was probably like March, we were chilling because, you know, things were cool. It wasn't like we thought it was going to be over soon. And then probably a month after, so like mid-April, mm-hmm. when, um, or maybe even two weeks after that, that initial shutdown, uh, I know I was like, yo. <laughs> No job, no everything stopped. Majority like, income, like yeah, probably lost like seventy percent. We were mm, all working at different know? studios, right? Different fitness studios, and they all shut down. And then um, eventually, I had to, uh, I had to, I had to sell furlough from my studio, and they furloughed I, me from mine straight up. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I was like, I was like, I don't have any. Uh, I'm not making no money right now. Like that's, mm. and I was like damn this is an issue like whoa like and and there was a point where i was like this is this this we gotta figure something out this is not good right Mm -hmm. so it was definitely um it was definitely like uh there were there have been times during the pandemic where it's like wow like i can't believe we're in a pandemic and everything shut down (laughs) and it's really and it's really up to us to make our own money right Mm -hmm. um but we uh we're we're very much we're not people that that um, will harp on what used to be, right? Mm-hmm. Like if, if the industry changes, we're on it. Like we're not, we're not trying, we're not trying to stay behind. Like that's not, that's never been us. But there, but, there was a little bit of lag. I well, remember. Well, <laughs> there, well, well, no, there, I wouldn't call it lag. I call it. We were doing market research, trying to figure out what's the next step. What should we do next? Oh no, I meant lag, like, and me understanding that I needed to do it. <laughs> like, like it took me, it took me, like, I mean. It was March, March, whatever. It took me at least four weeks to pivot. Like, but I think I think we were kind of on it early though, in the sense that once everything shut down, we knew we had to turn to social media immediately. Like, we knew that had to be weeks. a focus. Yeah. I mean, the day of the shutdown, we started making we we, we started well, making up like what the official like, because I mean, I'm pretty sure I started. Actually, you know what? I guess you are right. March yeah. March 16th, that first initial day of shutdown, mm-hmm. we started making TikToks immediately. Mm. And because I mean, and I'm not saying TikTok was like a business move, but it was just like, okay, we know social media is going to be it right now. We gotta do something. Um, we got we gotta like take up our time with something. If we're not going to be in the gyms training people, we mm. need to be doing something on social media for trail fitness. So we immediately started making content like every single. We, we filmed every single day for like two months. It was a long. And, it was a long time. Like it was the most consistent we've ever been when it comes to creating content every mm. day. And um, we got. Like we got a, started to get a big TikTok following, and then our Instagram uh, followers and our Instagram profile really started to go up. Um, but we, as soon as the pandemic hit, we, we pivoted to not even like the business itself, but just us being on social media. We tried to be on there a lot more since everyone was on social media, mm-hmm. and then eventually pivoted to online classes, online plans, Zoom sessions, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and the def and the money definitely slowed up. Like, like, don't get me wrong. Like, it hit it hit hard, and and it, we weren't making as much money as we were in person. Um, but now that it kind of kind of just fast forwarded 
the fitness industry to online and kind of creating something that's accessible for everyone mm -hmm. from anywhere, mm -hmm. no matter where you're at. Um, and so, of course, we, we came out with a couple different programs, mm -hmm. uh, especially our most recent bodyweight program. And then um, started doing Zoom sessions with clients because people still want to train. It was just a, a, a kind of like a, an, a question of what's the new procedure? Are we training people outside in person? Are we training mm -hmm. them on Zoom? You know, are they, are, do they get tested? Or like, what's like, just figuring out how to navigate the space. Mm -hmm. But, um, but I think it really pushed us to focus on Trio Fitness because that's all I was doing for a mm -hmm. month. I wasn't working by the studio, but I was focused on training clients and figuring out, okay, how can we keep making money for Trio Fitness? And mm -hmm. we actually got opportunities during the pandemic that we would not have gotten otherwise. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we got into modeling, we got into kind of like social media influencing in terms of actually doing that as a business and getting paid for it. Mm -hmm. um, things that we weren't focused on. Corporate events, like, like you know, they weren't necessarily in Philly. Yeah, like we, we ended up doing events with Accenture, Capital One, mm. like large, large companies that we normally didn't even have eyes on us. Um, but now because everything's digital, you can do it from anywhere. Mm -hmm. Now you actually have an opportunity to get those those um those 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 deals <laughs> mm -hmm. and i think that's pretty interesting too because like um you know so i'm myself i'm not in the fitness industry but i'm definitely somebody that likes to stay in shape like to stay real fit and you know when we first moved into our house one of the big staples that i had was you know um so in my basement i have like a a bedroom down there i was like you know i'm turning this into my gym and so we got um we got a treadmill in there first and then for the last like five weeks, I have been like a regular at Target. I'm talking about like, <laughs> I go to Target almost religiously just so I get some dumbbells because those things are damn near impossible yeah. to try to find. But one thing I have appreciated about this time, it's allowed me to actually really focus on my fitness, right? Um, and, you know, for the past two or three years, I've been working with um, a personal trainer that she runs a gym in South Philly uh, called Mixed Fit. Um, and she does like CrossFit, her and her uh, boyfriend, super great. And it's fun. But one of my biggest issues, not necessarily issue, but, you know, one of the biggest things that used to psych me out was, all right, if I have a training session at 6 a.m., that means I need to wake up by five o'clock. Yeah. That means I need to get dressed. That means I need to be there by at least like 540, 5.45, And then after that, it's going to, then I now have to get, uh, you know, go back home, take a shower and then start my day. Right. So something that really should take no more than an hour now becomes a three hour, um, event. And, you know, like she started doing these group fitness classes and she like, cause I fell off for a while. Right. Because I'm like, I just don't have that time. Like, you know, I'm still in school. I'm working full time. You know, I'm planning for my wedding. Like we're planning to have a child. Like I just don't have the physical time to dedicate three hours uh, or I guess that'd be nine to 12 hours each week on just that. Whereas I can just dedicate three hours to it. And so that has allowed me to be more consistent because it's like, I bet. I know I have uh, my sessions on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays from 6.30 to 7.30. And literally, like, I'm working um, I'm working till 6.25, run, throw some clothes on real quick, pop up the Zoom, get my workout in, hop in the shower, and I'm done, right? Yeah. And so, and I think, you know, from what you all said, like, I got a sense of that. Like, one, it's allowed you to reach a larger audience 
but also it's, a lot, it's allowed you to build your brand up a little bit. And I think, you know, that's one of the big things that really um, intrigued me about wanting to like have this conversation with you all, because I remember you all from like your uh, junior senior, like, no, so yeah, so that was like your junior yeah. senior at Penn. And then to see y'all now, like, I can't, I remember the last time I turned on, like scroll through um, Instagram and did not see y'all whether it was a dance or whether it was uh, Ab Tuesday or whether it was curl this or curl that. And it was like, yo, like these brothers are really working. Yeah. And so um, I definitely want to commend y'all for that. But, um, you know, this conversation has been, this conversation has been amazing learning a little bit about you all. So for the audience out there and people that are both local and, you know, I mean, with the age that we're in right now, you can trace somebody from Tibet if you really want to. Right. Where can they find you all? Where can they interact with you all? And how can they get in contact with you? Yeah, so um, you guys can get in contact with us. So the name is Trio Fitness. That's T-R-I-Y-O Fitness. Mm -hmm. um, primarily, we, we post on Instagram the most. Um, so our handle is Trio Fitness on all platforms. But you can definitely check out um, our Instagram and then also check out our website, TrioFitness.com. Um, we're going to be coming out with an app-based platform where people can actually follow. We have, we're going to be putting all of our follow-along videos there. Um, so exactly as Will was describing, like, it's a lot easier to kind of do workouts sometimes when you have someone to follow along with. Mm -hmm. But while we do have online programs that we sell through our website, um, some people don't want just a program that they can, you know, that they can read themselves. Mm -hmm. They just want to work out with you. So our response to that and the fact that we, we love teaching class, and that's one of our actually – our mm -hmm. best skills is teaching class and kind of interacting with that person. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to be you know, responding to that with this app, which is going to allow us to train people and kind of create that pre-recorded content that people can engage with, um, you know, with the workout. So definitely stay tuned for the app because that is going to be probably the biggest thing we launched in 2021. And that thing is going to be sweet. And then um, otherwise, definitely stay up to date with our content on Instagram because we post up there all the time. And just, you know, we like interacting with people. Like, that's kind of been the biggest thing is growing the community that we have. Mm -hmm. um, you know, on social media, it's been awesome. And that's definitely something that we've gained from the pandemic itself. Fantastic. So with that, fellas, uh, first and foremost, I just want to thank you. This has been another amazing episode of Voices of Black Folk with the uh, – Trio Fitness Brothers. Um, and again, I just want to thank you all so much for making time to speak with us today. And that's our show for today. And thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and really took something from it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe, like, and share this episode. Our goal on this podcast is to highlight and give a voice to the Black community by bringing phenomenal individuals who are creating and charting paths toward greatness. And through your support, we can continue to change lives. Thanks again. And don't miss the next episode of the Voices of Black Folk podcast. I'm your host, Will Anyu.